clock. We're not really sure what happened, but we got some kind of technical difficulties going on. But I have a word for you that I wanted to share. And so I'm coming to you a little late this evening, but I'm coming to you to share with you. And as we begin, the first thing I want to say is how heartbroken we are for our friends across the state of Louisiana, Cameron, Lake Charles, uh, all of these areas that have suffered so much devastation. We, we want uh, some of you, maybe you're displaced right now, and maybe you're in a position where you're having the ability to watch this video right now. Um, I, I know that in some ways it may not help to say this, but we, we went through the losses and the devastation of Hurricane Katrina. And I want you to know that as horrible as it was at the time, as heartbreaking, the many tears that were shed, the loss, throwing away our belongings and furniture and things that were special to us. It was so hard, uh, riveting to go through that experience, but God brought us through. And we are here today still carrying on the work of the ministry. We lost our church and most of our congregation moved away and many of them never did move back to Louisiana and we haven't even, I was telling my mom today in a conversation that um, there are some of the people that were in our church that we have not even seen and it's been 15 years other than through social media and Facebook and texting and pictures. But God is faithful and he brought us through. And please know that we send our love and we're praying for each and every one of you that God is going to bring restoration to you He's going to give you grace in the midst of this situation. And there are others of you that are watching that maybe you haven't been personally impacted from the hurricane, but in another way, you're going through your own stormy season. We want you to know that we're praying for you too. God is an on-time God. He is a faithful God. He is a personal and intimate God, and he loves us with an unfailing and unconditional love. And he knows right where we are in the midst of every challenging situation. So please be encouraged and know that you're not fighting alone, that there are believers all around like us and like our prayer warriors who are praying and interceding and asking God to move and to work miracles on the behalf of his people. But the, <clears throat> the most important thing is that Jesus himself, he is our intercessor. He is at the right hand of God the Father, ever interceding for you and for I, for situations we're currently facing and even challenges that we don't know about. And he's helping to avert things that could come our way, but because of his mighty hand and his angelic forces that they are working on our behalf, and bringing us to victory for his name's sake, because he has destined you and I to win in every situation. Tonight, as I was, uh, well, I should say the past, you know, several uh, couple of days, as I've been thinking about what I was going to minister on tonight, um, the topic, and this one passage just keeps coming to me. And that's what I'm going to share with you tonight from 2 Timothy chapter 4, 
And I'm going to specifically focus on verse 2. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 2. <clears throat> and I want to give you a little bit of a information about this particular passage here. You know, Paul the Apostle wrote the majority of the New Testament. And um, he wrote this particular book, and it was nearing the time of his own death was coming. He was facing imminent death. <clears throat> and Paul was writing to one of his sons in the Lord, who was Timothy, and he wrote the books of First and Second Timothy. And we're, we're coming to you tonight from Second Timothy, uh, focusing on that. And, in second, and, and Paul was encouraging Timothy to carry on the ministry and to faithfully guard the gospel message throughout this chapter. Now, we're, we're focusing, like I said, on, on verse 2. We may look at a few of the other verses uh, while I'm sharing with you this evening. But uh, 2 Timothy was the latest of the Apostle Paul's letters. And it is of speci special interest, not only because of what it reveals concerning the last days of Paul's life, but it also because of what it reveals about Timothy, the recipient of this particular letter, this epistle that was being written to him. In a very real way, this epistle represents Paul's last will and testament. If there was a time to set the record straight, it was then. If Paul was going to make any complaints, he would have had to make it at that time because he was at the end of his life. However, in this letter, there's not one word of an apology explanation or caution or complaint that that Paul brought forth. He he was instead bringing exhortation and encouragement, telling Timothy to endure and to remain loyal to Jesus, just as he had told him all along. And so this verse, as Paul's writing it, I, I actually I'm going to read verse 1 and 2, start with verse 1 from chapter 4. He says, I charge you, therefore, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing of his kingdom. And he says, preach the word, be instant, in season and out of season. Now, that's the part I'm going to focus on, being instant, in season and out of season. And then he goes on to say, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. And he gives warnings. He said, because the time will come when the people are not going to endure sound doctrine, but after their own lusts, they're going to heap to themselves teachers having itching ears and they shall turn away from their, their ears from the truth and they'll be turned unto fables. But watch, in all these things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, make full proof of your ministry, for I'm now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. I fought a good fight, I finished my course, I've kept the faith. And, and he says, henceforth there's laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all of them that love his appearing, do thy diligence to come shortly unto me. For Demas hath forsaken me, having, having loved this present world, and he's departed unto Thessalonica, Crescens to Galatia, Titus unto Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. So take Mark and bring him with you, for he is profitable 
to me for the ministry. Antichicus have I sent to Ephesus. The cloak that I left at Troas with Carpus, when thou comest, bring with thee and the books, but especially the parchments. And he goes on. I'm not going to keep on reading the rest of it. But what he's saying here is that there are people, and I know there are those that are watching. The Lord spoke to me and told me there would be some ministers watching, specifically some pastors that were going to watch this video. And I feel very strongly to encourage you in the Lord, because from the time of the onset of the pandemic in March, this has been a very trying time, I know, for the entire world, but it's also impacted pastors in a different way. Pastors who were leading their flock, caring for their people, pouring their life into them, bringing encouragement, standing with them in the face of every adversity, and suddenly that opportunity to minister to your flock on a weekly basis has been taken from you. And it's not the same. Even right now, it's not the same. Even though many churches have had the opportunity to open back up and to open back up on a certain level with, uh, you know, maybe 25% occupancy or 50% occupancy, depending on what state you live in, what, what phase uh, uh, of this uh, re-entry that your state has been uh, designated to go through and, and the requirements that are placed upon you. Even at that, it's not the same. You know, for all of us, some of our parishioners, we, they've gotten accustomed to not coming together and worshiping. And while, yes, we can worship the Lord at home, we can serve the Lord at home, it's a different season than when you're able to be with your church family and come together. I just want to encourage you to just keep forging forward. And the ones that God has brought you to come and they want to be there in person, I mean, tonight in our our building here in Gonzales, we we have a, a precious young lady who drove all the way out here from New Orleans. It's a 45-minute drive, but she said, I didn't want to just watch it online tonight. I wanted to be in church. I wanted to be in the presence of where the Holy Spirit is. I wanted to feel the anointing of God. I need something big from God, and I wanted to make the effort to come. I just want to tell you, we're going to keep persevering. You know, one of the things about the Lord, and I'll segue just for a minute, and I'm not really trying to give a plug for this, but yet I am. Uh, several years ago, Bethany and I were introduced by our dear friend, Dr. Tracy Mitchell, to an organization called Christian Women in Media. And for six years, I've had the opportunity to be a leader in this organization on both a city level as a connection leader and also uh, as a regional director for the Gulf Coast over five different states and helping people. And my daughter, Bethany, has always served right alongside uh, me in whatever capacity I'm doing and, and helping me and, 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 and making it happen. And I'm uh, ever grateful for her, for her labor of love and in all the aspects of the ministry to fulfill the vision and to reach people. But Bethany put it like this, and I just think it's an awesome way to look at this. When Jesus walked the face of the earth, he reached the people where they were. He made his message relevant to the people. So therefore, there were times that he would refer to uh, times in the Old Testament and scriptures and, and quote previous prophets. And even the, the apostles did that. There were times they would quote Isaiah. They would quote, uh, which is Isaiah. They would quote from the prophets from the Old Testament. 
But there were times when Jesus was ministering that he spoke to the people in parables because he knew that that was the way they could understand. He made the message that he had to deliver relevant for his audience and for the time. And for the six years that we have been leading in Christian Women in Media, that's something that we have said. We've said it over and over again. We're, we need to become relevant for the times. For many years now, specifically millennials, some, some millennials don't even have a television in their home. They don't want a television in their home. Everything they do is by the internet or on this right here, on a cell phone. They use a cell phone. They get their news on there. They watch what they want to watch. They turn it off. They don't watch commercials. They're not wasting time for that. They'll record programs and fast forward through the commercials because their time is important to them. And so they make their message relevant. And while our family has always been one from the time I was 12 years old, I started out in television ministry with my dad. I've always been a proponent for media ministry because through media we can reach people that we will never see whether it's through a book through a um a blogging situation whether it's uh through a, a program as i'm presenting right now that's available on on youtube and on uh, facebook live and other for, for, uh, sources of media you know but when the pandemic began ministries all over began to suddenly realize if I don't seize this opportunity of media, I'm not going to have the opportunity to reach out to my congregation. And so they began to come on with Facebook Live and texting and other ways where they were reaching out to people. And so we as pastors have the greatest opportunity. Those of you watching as, that are pastors, that are evangelists, this is your finest hour and finest moment to reach beyond your congregation because there were people who never would step foot in the door of a church, but they can have a message such as this forwarded to them and, and, and texted to them. And, and, and I feel like that here, Paul is bearing his heart. Paul is talking to Timothy, one of his sons in the ministry. He's saying, I'm not going to be here very much longer. I fought a good fight. I finished the course. And my heart is broken. I'm grieving because this one was here and I poured into them, but they walked away. This one walked away. This one's gone here. This one's gone there. But you've been faithful. And he's giving him some words of exhortation and an, an admonition of how to carry on in the work of the ministry. And as he's talking to him, he says, in, in, as it's recorded in verse 2, be instant in season and out. Growing up as a preacher's kid, everybody who was uh, working with my dad in ministry on any level, they would get so uh, amazed because my dad was such a visionary and my dad would stand in church and, you know, he'd have an idea come and he'd say, hey, and we're going to do this and we're going to do that and do the other thing. And his staff and the congregation would kind of go in panic because of the leaders, because they're like, oh, wow, I didn't know we were throwing a picnic next week. Oh, better go rent a park and get a, uh, you know, a pavilion at the park, and we got to get some food organized, and we got to do this. You know, I didn't know we were going to do an outreach thing and do it through the park, you know, and he would, he would do things like that, and he would say things, and, and my dad would always just laugh and say, well, you got to be instant, in season, and out. I grew up hearing that all the time. I heard that all the time in our home. 
my dad my dad lived by that principle and he raised us by that was one of the many things that we heard so many things obviously being raised in a minister's home so many scriptures but that's one i grew up knowing and understanding my whole life be instant in season and out of season i'm going to read to you some things that i've come across about this and that's what i'm going to challenge you you see you can't be instant in season and out if you haven't prepared yourself my husband i was so proud of him you know both of us we we uh we, we went to high school. We both had, went to a few years of college when we were young. And then uh, the love bug bit and we got married and we didn't uh, complete our college education at that time. But at the age of 61, my husband, had, had he's had seven years of, of college and higher education. And he got his doctorate of theology last year at the age of 61. This year, the age of 62 for him and 60 for me, we just completed some courses that we've always wanted to take through John Maxwell. And we're very excited about that. And we're planning on continuing. We're constantly educating ourselves. We're constantly doing things. You know, uh, just uh, weeks before my father was taken home, he was preaching in a pulpit. He didn't feel well, but he was preaching. And he preached in Arkansas and he preached in Branson, Missouri, and, and he was carrying on. That's been the example that's been lived before us. My mother, who's 85 years old, we're helping her right now as she's getting a book published because we're not quitters. We don't believe that God brought us this far and then says, okay, now just kick back and relax. You know, we are going to always live our life, Garland and I will, by that uh, little uh, cliche where people say, oh, have you retired? And we're like, what does retirement even mean? No, we're in the work of the ministry and it's gonna go on until such time as Jesus takes us home. We will ever be trying to reach people, bring encouragement to them, love on them, bring them hope and let them know the gospel message that Jesus loves them, that he died for them, that he's been resurrected, that he has provided salvation and eternal life for them. And we're going to be instant in season and out. Why did I mention all those things about our accomplishments, our schooling, our education? Because the word says study to show yourself approved. It's your responsibility and mine to do the preparation. If I haven't prepared myself, then I cannot be instant in season and out. So that when something happens, like a Hurricane Katrina, or like a pandemic, or like a tragedy, so that my whole world is not turned into such an upheaval that I can no longer function. No, the Holy Spirit is our teacher. He's our guide, and he's not surprised by anything that comes our way. He's not surprised by the diagnosis that the doctor may have given you. He's not surprised by the fact that you're having relationships, uh, challenges within your relationships. He's not surprised by the fact that you checked your bank balance today and there wasn't as much money in that account as you thought would be there. None of those things are a surprise to the Lord. But when we have paid the price when we've studied to show ourselves approved, when we have prepared ourselves, 
then no matter what challenge arises, we have the ability to be instant in season and out of season. I'm going to read to you some things about uh, from an article I have here, um, a devotional that uh, I read about it being instant in season and out. Just one second. Let me get my computer on the right page here because I want to share this with you if I can. Hopefully I didn't move it away. In the meantime, while I'm looking for that, I'm going to share you a, the Greek definition of the word um, instant. I, I was looking that up to be instant. <clears throat> and it says to persist, to persevere in, to continue steadfast in, to be instant, to be active and to show it steadfastly with steadfast strength to consistently show strength, to be instant, in season and out. I'm going to find this other passage that I looked up for you because it's so awesome. Just a minute. Um, I trust that all of you are doing well today. And before we do conclude this broadcast, I'm definitely going to be taking some time to pray with each and every one of you. But... Um, Paul wrote this second letter to Timothy that I was, I'm talking to you about tonight. If you're just tuning into the broadcast, I'm talking to you from 2 Timothy chapter 4. And I'm focused mostly on verse 2, being instant in season and out. Paul wrote this second letter to Timothy during a difficult season of Timothy's ministry. Just a few years earlier, the picture had been radically different because at that time, the church of Ephesus was growing and thriving. And Timothy was a new young pastor whom the church loved him. You know, as a pastor, you know, I know that in some denominations, pastors are assigned where they need to go and minister. In some denominations, pastors go in and they, they preach a sermon and the church votes on them and they accept them and they let them come in. And, and sometimes those pastors feel loved and embraced. And sometimes they don't feel very embraced, but Timothy was a young pastor and the church loved him and they were celebrating him. Those earlier years were fun and eventful and everything was moving and the church was growing and lives were being changed. What an exciting time it had been to be a Christian leader. But by the time 2 Timothy was written, the situation had changed drastically for this pastor and the believers under his charge. Because at this time, Historically speaking, Nero had become the Roman emperor and his insanity was already wreaking havoc in the lives of countless believers, especially there in Rome. As for Ephesus, it was one of the most pagan cities in Asia Minor, as well as the residence of the Roman proconsul. Christians who lived in Ephesus often endured bouts of intense persecution as the Roman government tried to scare them into abandoning their Christian faith and returning to the pagan temples. As a result of these hard times, many believers died for their faith. Others defected from the church and they returned to the old temples in order, in order to save their lives. And as if all these hardships and disappointments were not mountainous enough to deal with, Timothy also was dealing with serious internal problems of rebellion 
among some of the members of his church leadership. And I read that to you from the scripture while ago as we read a few more of the verses in that chapter. And you may choose to study that out later. So Timothy had written a letter to Paul and he wrote him because Paul was his apostle. Paul was his covering. And let me just say, it's important to have a covering. A covering, you know, some people... Um, <clears throat> We live in a society where nobody wants to be told what to do. Nobody wants, they don't like the word submit or submission or any of that. And yes, truthfully, there have been those and always will be those who will abuse uh, submission and they will take those scriptures out of context. That's always going to happen, unfortunately. But um, at this at this time, you know, there were there were those that, that were not wanting to heed the instruction and the direction, and they wanted to just run off, do their own thing. They didn't want a covering. And, excuse me, um, and, and, you know, you see this, like I said earlier, you'll see these things throughout time in, in ministry and in, and in churches. You see it just even on the workplace, where there'll be some employees who are like, you know, they're very submissive to whatever the vision of the boss is and whatever the boss is laying out that needs to be accomplished and done. And you'll have others that are like, no, they don't want any, you know, they, they don't want to adhere to anything that's being told because we live in a society where people want to do things their own way and they have their own plan and they just don't want to be told what to do. And that's exactly what they were dealing with back in this era of time. And so the pastor, Timothy here, was so discouraged. So he was reaching out to Paul, his apostle. And that's what I was, I was sharing a moment ago about a covering. My husband and I are happy. We have spiritual fathers in our lives who are our covering. When we go through challenges or we need to make decisions, we reach out to them. First of all, our relationships with God, our Father, and the Holy Spirit. And we trust him to speak to us and we, we cry out to him. We don't want to just, you know, feel like, oh, we've got so much wisdom that we can make our own decisions and do things our own way and run our own way and, and think that we, we have it all together on our own and our own wisdom but we seek godly wisdom. And the word says, if any man lacks wisdom, ask God who gives to all men liberally upbraiding not. So God will give us wisdom in the season and time in which we need it. But God has placed leaders in our lives because they're also there to shield us and protect us. Let's just look at it from this perspective as a parent. When you're a parent, one of your roles in life, it's not just to be disciplining that child, you know, I hope that you're not just uh, one of these parents that's constantly, you know, yelling at the kids and disciplining the kid and making children feel like they never do anything right, because that will carry with them their entire life. That's the situation. None of us want to be treated that way. So God help us that we don't treat other people that way. But as a parent, one of your roles is to provide protection and to speak wisdom and direction. So Paul was Timothy's apostle. And when Timothy, as this, as this pastor who had now been serving and leading this ministry, he was so heartbroken because things were not going right. And some of the people allowed rebellion to enter their life and they were going this way, that way, and the other way. He, he, Timothy said, I'm just going to write out to my covering. I'm going to write a letter to Paul. And that's what he did. And then we see in First and Second Timothy where Paul lovingly, as a spiritual father is responding and he's speaking into the life and ministry of Timothy before Paul was taken from this life. So 
Timothy had written a letter to Paul explaining his difficulties, and Paul's response to Timothy was the book of 2 Timothy. And in that book, he urged Timothy to remember that he was to be instant in season and out of season. That word instant in the Greek is, is a compound of two different words. Now, I don't know. I didn't study Greek, so I may not pronounce these correctly, but it's a compound of these two words, epi, E-P-I, and istemi, I-S-T-I-M-I. And the word epi means upon. And the word istemi means to stand. So when you compound those two words, epi and istemi, together for the word instant, the new word means to stand upon, as to take a firm stand or even a hard position. How many of us in our life have been in situations before where we've had to take a firm stand and that firm stand sometimes was a very hard decision for us to make and for us to stand upon because we needed to speak into the lives of our family, our children, our staff, our employees to let them know this is the stand that I'm taking. This is where I believe God's leading me and I'm standing firm. I'm not going to waver in this position. This is the hard position that I've had to make. And that's what the word instant there is referring to from the Greek. Because this was the position that had been assigned by God. Even though times were very tough and Timothy may have been tempted to shun his responsibilities, Paul urged him, stay at your post, stand firm and stay at your post. Notice that Paul told him he was to be faithful to his post in season and out of season. In Greek, this looks like it's a play on words, but it's a very powerful statement to those of us who are doing our best to serve God. The words in season comes from the Greek word eukairos. The words out of season comes from the Greek word akairos. Do you notice how similar these words are to each other? The word kairos is the Greek word that means seasons or time. Most of us know, and we've heard sermons before about a kairos moment, about time. It means a season or time. And this word can easily be altered by adding different prefixes to it. The, for instance, if you add the word EU you, to the front of it, the word becomes eukairos, E-U-K-A-I-R-O-S. The word you means good, happy, pleasing, or pleasurable. This means that when you connect the word you to kairos, it transfer, transforms the word eukairos to mean good times, happy times, pleasing times, or pleasurable times. So what God is telling to Timothy is to stand firm, know your position, stand your position, even if it's a tough position, in the good, pleasurable times. But he also saying in the bad times, because the word akairos means bad times. When you add that letter A in front of the word kairos, it means bad times. So when Paul told him, be instant in season and out of season, he's really telling him to be faithful, whether he's having happy times or bad times. And that is the word God spoke to me that I was supposed to deliver in this teaching tonight. I don't know where you are right now. 
You know, in another passage that I've referred to it on previous broadcasts, and I'm not going to go there tonight for the sake of time, because I got a few more things I'm going to share on this teaching. But there's another time, you know, Paul was beaten. He was run out of cities. He was treated horribly. But Paul said, I have, about himself, he said, I have learned to be content in whatever state I'm in. Look, God didn't promise us that there would never be problems, but what he did promise us is he would never leave us or forsake us. He would be with us through those problems. And we all know that as we yield our lives to him and we put our trust, our faith, our hope, our confidence in him, that he's going to strengthen us and teach us as we go through those problems. He wants us to stand firm. Other passages in the scripture says to be confident. You know, one of my favorite verses is to be confident of this very thing, that he, almighty God, that began a good work in you, will complete it. He will perfect it. He didn't bring us this far to leave us. Many years ago, the Imperials recorded a, a song, and when I was uh, 18, I recorded my first solo album, and I recorded that song on there. And it says, he didn't, the lyrics go like this, he didn't bring us this far to leave us. He didn't teach us to swim, to let us drown. He didn't build his home in us to then move away and abandon us. And he didn't lift us up to then let us down. God is not an abandoner. Some of you watching right now, you've been abandoned by people in your life. Some by people you were in covenant relationship with. And they had no regard for your feelings, no regard for your future, maybe no regard for your children. And they abandoned and they walked out. They walked out on the life. They walked out on you. They walked out on their responsibility. They walked out on their financial obligations and they left you having to deal with that situation. But our heavenly father, Abba father, our God, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, will never leave you, will never abandon you. And he has equipped you and I with everything we will ever need for every challenge, for every adverse situation. I want this to be an encouragement to you. He has equipped you so that you can be instant, in season, and out of every season that comes your way. No matter the turmoil, no matter how hopeless, no matter how impossible it may seem, he's there with you. He loves you. God loves you. And he's not going to leave you. As I, as I continue in this, I've got a few more things I'm going to read here to you. And then in a few moments, I'll pray before we dismiss for tonight. Looking forward to having you with us tomorrow night. We'll have uh, my husband, myself. My son-in-law, Josh, my daughter, Bethany, will be here with us. We're going to have an amazing time in the Lord as we share together. Um, this was just the word Timothy needed to hear from his covering. Sometimes you just need to hear a word from your covering. Now, there are times, you know, David said that there were times he had to encourage himself in the Lord. And look. I encourage you to be in such a relationship with God that if nobody else is around, or if it's two o'clock in the morning, and everybody else is sleeping, that you can encourage yourself in the Lord. That is possible. But it's so important to surround yourself with a great circle of people. And make sure that in 
that circle, there are people who are encouragers, people who are faith builders, people who are going to stand with you and fight for you on your behalf because they want to celebrate your wins. You know, when we love like Jesus loves, we want to see everybody win and we want to be able to celebrate the wins with them. So this was just the word Timothy needed to encourage him to stand tall, be brave and remain faithful to his assignment. Are you being faithful to your assignment? What is your assignment? Do you know what your assignment is? If you don't know what your assignment is, then seek the face of God. Cry out to him. Ask him to show you what is his purpose and destiny, his divine will for your life. Find out what that assignment is for you because each of us have been given an assignment and most of us have been given multiple assignments. And then be faithful in that assignment. His struggles passed, and he became the respected leader of the Christians in the region of Asia Minor. In the years that he served as a senior pastor of Ephesus, Timothy had many different kinds of seasons. Some were good, some were not so good. But regardless, he stayed at his post until the very end. What kind of season are you going through right now? Is it a happy season, or are you experiencing hard times? Those happy seasons are such wonderful times and you should do everything you can to enjoy them. But what are you going to do in the hard times and have you prepared yourself? That's what I'm talking about tonight, to prepare yourself. Are you going to be as faithful and steadfast when you face difficult challenges as you were when things seemed a little easier? Take Paul's words to Timothy and apply them to your life. This is not a time for you to run in fear or to look for somebody else to come and take your place. If God called you to that post, it's time for you to dig in, take a firm stand and resolve that you are going to be faithful whether the times are good or bad. I assure you that the bad times will eventually pass. Dark clouds never last. I'm going to say that again. Dark clouds never last. Eventually, the sun always comes out and the birds start singing again. Wouldn't it be sad if you gave up and you sacrificed everything that you've worked so hard to gain just because of a few dark friends, a, a, a few dark clouds? I want you to know that Jesus is with you. He will give you all the strength. And I, I know I said dark friends there a minute ago because where I am in my heart right now, and I referred to this earlier, is there were people that he couldn't depend upon. There were friends that left his life. Timothy had poured his heart into them. And those of you in ministry, those of you that are leaders that I'm talking to tonight that the Holy Spirit told me would watch this broadcast. I'm taking a minute just to speak to you again. It's so hard. Our tendency is to want to give up when we've been betrayed. But betrayal is our friend. Failure is our friend. There are dark clouds that come our way in our life that we never knew were coming, but God knew. And he has equipped us in those situations. And he's going to help us get through those situations. I speak encouragement to you right now. And you know what? Sometimes we need to recognize that God allowed us to be severed from this one, that one, and the other one. Sometimes we don't always know why. Sometimes people tell you why they walk out of your life. Sometimes they don't tell you. They just pack their bags and go. But you know what? God 
is not going to leave you. And he knew that was happening and he's going to be there with you and help you through it. And he's going to help you find the right circle. If you trust him, I can't live this life without trusting him. And I can't live this life without seeking him for the wisdom. I've talked about that tonight, seeking him for wisdom. I got to seek him for wisdom so that I will know what to do, who to connect with, who to align with, who do I want to speak into my life? Who do I want to help me find and pursue and reach my assignment? It would be sad if you gave up and sacrificed everything you've worked so hard to gain because of a few dark clouds or because of people that you were misaligned with. Jesus is with you. He's going to give you the strength to stand tall, to remain faithful. He will do his part, but only you can do your part in this type of a situation. I want to read you a quote that I refer to a lot of times in my messages. And it's talking, it came from Smith Wigglesworth. I love to read about men of revival, women of revival, those that had great faith, those that saw awesome miracles, because it builds my faith. And I guess if you want to call it a mantra, a, a, a motto, whatever, that Smith Wigglesworth declared that he lived by is this. He said, live ready. You got to live ready. That's what I'm talking about tonight. Second Timothy 4, 2, be instant, be ready in season and out of season. Smith Wigglesworth said when you read his writings in one of his sermons, when he was referring to this about live ready, he, he said, it's better to live ready than to get ready. I, I read one of his sermons where he said, he said, if I wait until a problem arises and then I try to get ready, it's already too late. You got to live ready. See, I, I've, I've discovered this in many people's lives. Many people know about God. There are many people who've had an encounter with God. But because they want to do like the people in 2 Timothy, and they'd rather, you know, sow their wild oats and they're running after this in the world and that in the world and the other thing in the world because they don't want to come under submission. They don't want to come under authority. They don't want to crucify their flesh. They don't want to, to give up their sinful ways because... The Bible says sin is pleasurable for a season. So there are those people that are like that. And they're like, I don't want to give up all of this. God will always be there. I can reach out to God later in my life. I'll do some, you know, I'll straighten up later on, you know, or, or, or it might be a young person. But, you know, people I know, it's not always young people. A lot of them, it's adults, seasoned adults who know better than living their life the way they're living. And they're just playing with their destiny. Y'all don't play with your destiny because eternity is real. Eternity is real. And there are always going to be those that play with their destiny and they don't get their priorities right. And they don't live ready. So a crisis comes and suddenly they panic. They get that bad diagnosis or they realize their CPA talks to them and tells them, hey, there's no option. You're going to have to uh, declare bankruptcy with your business. You're just not making it. You know, there's no way you can turn this situation around. They face these challenges. They face these situations and they go into panic mode. And suddenly they decide they're going to run to God. Because now they need a miracle. 
and they want God to be their sugar daddy and to, to bail them out of the crises that they're in at that moment. Y'all, I don't want to be that way. I want to live ready. Because if I wait to get my life right after a crisis comes, if I wait, then it's already too late once the crisis comes my way. It's better to live ready than to try to get ready after the challenge comes. Be instant, in season and out. I read to you the Greek definitions of that tonight as we did this, basically a Bible study tonight. My passion is to preach, but I do like to teach as well. And tonight's been a teaching as I've shared with you and I've broken this down from the Greek. And it says, plant your feet firm, steadfast, unwavering, make the hard decisions and take a firm position and don't waver in it. Whether the times are good and pleasurable or whether they're bad and you're going to see breakthrough, you're gonna see God's hand manifest in the end of that situation. You can't allow yourself to give up just because things are going haywire around you. And if you're like most of us, there are people watching you and depending on you to see how are you going to handle this difficult situation. People that are watching you trying to figure out, do they want to serve the God that you serve? And if problems come and you abandon God and you change your priorities, then what kind of an example have you been to them? It's time for us to live ready. You know, David, I read this today. David did not go to the battle for a fight with Goliath. Here's why he went out there. He went, number one, to obey his father. Number two, to deliver food to his brothers and the army commanders. And number three, to check on his brothers. But while he was out there, he didn't even go with the intention of fighting a battle. That wasn't his purpose. He was little. He was unqualified. He had never worn. He'd never suited up in that armor. The armor didn't even fit him. He was just a little shepherd boy. But while he was out there tending the shepherds, he was in a season of preparation, y'all. He was preparing himself so that he could be instant, in season and out, no matter what adversity came his way. Just a little shepherd boy. And I never thought about it like this before, that he didn't really go out there with the intention of fighting a battle. He went out there for those three purposes I read, to obey his father, to deliver food to his brothers and the army commanders, and to check on his brothers. You can read it in 1 Samuel chapter 17, verses 17 and 18, and it tells you that's the purposes for which he went out that day. And I want to tell you this before I close in prayer. You don't have to look for a giant to win the fight. Show up for God in the simple. Be willing and be ready. Y'all be instant, in season and out. God's got a miracle waiting just for you. Let's pray together. Father, I come to you right now in the name of Jesus. I praise you because of who you amazing God. You're an on-time father.
You know right where we are at all times of our life. And you're not surprised by any of the challenges that come our way. You knew about them. And Lord, you have given us every tool we need to be equipped for every challenge that comes our way. You provided our healing. You provided our finances. Lord, you've provided uh, uh, the gifts of the Spirit for us to operate in. Lord, you've just given us everything at our disposal. Help us, Lord, to prepare ourselves, to study, to put in the time, to know your word, to hide it in our hearts that we might not sin against you, to hide it in our hearts and to seek revelation from you so that we'll be strengthened, so that when the problems come, when the trials come, Lord, that we can push beyond the adversity and we can, we can rule and reign in you, God. Father, we thank you, Lord, that no matter what battle comes our way, you're going to lead us through to victory in every challenge. Lord, I lift up those right now that are watching, that are facing impossible situations. I take authority in the name of Jesus over every lying, tormenting spirit in the name of Jesus Christ. And we speak peace to the storm. Peace be still. Father, we ask that you would give divine intervention to those that seemingly are in lack. God, turn the situations around for them, oh God. Father, we release your healing virtue to those that are struggling physically. Lord, we speak healing and health right now, Lord, to Denise, Father. We praise you that your Holy Spirit will go with her and before her. You will be with her as she goes in for a procedure tomorrow. Father, we pray for Kimberly. Lord, we ask you, God, and we thank you in advance because we know you're going with her and before her for the procedure that she will be going through tomorrow. Father, so many others, Lord, that have reached out to us. Lord, we thank you for your healing hand, for your provision, Lord, for your wisdom. Father, for helping those that are dealing with legal battles, oh God. Father, for being encouraging to those that are just crying out to you tonight, so broken from a myriad of issues and just they're, they're saying to you, why, God, why? And they feel like you've abandoned them. But Father, I ask you to do something amazing in their life to show them that you've not abandoned them and remind them of your promises, that you will never leave us or forsake us. And Father, forgive us for the times that we've been slothful and that we haven't spent the time to, 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 to be prepared for the challenges that come our way. And God, help us to make a commitment from this day forward to do the work of the ministry, Lord, to work and to put in the time and the hours, Lord, to prepare ourselves so that when a challenge comes, we don't have to suddenly hurry and try to get ready, but that we're already ready because we made a commitment, we made a choice to live ready. Lord, we say to you tonight that we will, to the best of our ability in every situation, be instant in season and out. God, when you're looking for somebody you can use, you can use us because we paid the price. We've made the sacrifices and we've prepared ourselves so that we can be used by you instant, in season and out. In Jesus' precious name, amen. I just wanna speak a word of encouragement to you and I pray that you have a blessed night, that you're going to sleep well, know that he is with you, take time, to prepare for your future. Know this, that God loves you. 
that he has never abandoned you and he never will. We, next Tuesday night, we will be coming live and in person at our campus in New Orleans at seven o'clock on September the 8th. And then on September the 9th, we will be live and in person as we will be tomorrow night here at our campus in Gonzales. And those two special nights, the 8th and the 9th, we have designated as breakthrough night. What kind of breakthrough do you need? A breakthrough physically, in your relationships? Do you need deliverance from an addiction, from a bondage? Do you need restoration in a relationship? God's got a miracle just for you. Make plans to come, bring people with you. And remember, we'll see you tomorrow night right here at seven o'clock. Share this message. If it's been a blessing to you, share this on your Facebook or or uh, the YouTube link with somebody that you know and be an encouragement to them. We love you and God bless you. Have a wonderful evening.